You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Cade Young. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. In today's feature report, WFHB environmental correspondent Zero Rose speaks with Neil Goswami of the Monroe County Environmental Commission about his background, the new generation of advocacy when it comes to tackling climate change, and the proposal to expand the Charles C. Deem Wilderness Area. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, testing your credibility on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment hosted and produced by Richard Fish. But first, your local headlines. During the November 28th meeting of the Bloomington Board of Park Commissioners, the board heard a contract with masonry contractor Baker Stonework for wall repair at Rose Hill Cemetery. This comes in the aftermath of a high-speed police chase in October where a man crashed into a concrete wall and hit three headstones, according to Bloomington Police. Operations Superintendent for the city's Parks Department, Mark Moratz, walked through the contract with Baker Stonework. Good evening, Mark Moratz, Operations Superintendent, and I'm here to recommend approval for a contract with Baker Stonework uh, to repair a section of the southwest corner wall of Rosedale Cemetery, where that police chase pursued. Um, we're going to do it in a fashion, though, that's going to create a little bit of an opening there, um, leaving a center column in there. About So you got about a three-foot space between each side with a one-foot column in there. Um, these guys have done a lot of great work for us through the years, and uh, we're confident they'll, they'll do this, this job very well also. The board approved the contract with a unanimous vote. The board then heard a review of a contract with Ecologic for the 2024 Deer Browse Monitoring Project at Griffey Lake Nature Preserve. Natural Resources Manager Steve Cotter provided the update. Yes, we have been working with Ecologic to monitor the vegetation heights at Griffey in specific quadrats, um, following the deer hunts to see if it's working, and it appears that it is. The general trend is that the plants are getting taller. Uh, we have been taking deer out there since 2017, and we feel that we need to continue to allow the plants to recover to the point where they can continue to reproduce in the nature preserve. The total for the spring browse monitoring would be $6,435, <clears throat> and the same amount for the late summer woody monitoring for a total of $12,870. Board member Jim Whitlock asked if the cost of the contract has remained consistent or if it has gone up. Board member Kathleen Mills also asked how the initiative has been going. Cotter responded, is that pretty much been the consistent price for that since we've had them do it? Or has it gone up or what's... It's gone up a little bit. It was right around 30000 for the first three years. And so we're adding a fourth year on and it, it has gone up a little bit. 10000 a year the first three years and now it's up to around 12000 Yes. A year. Okay. And I thought I heard 
I saw maybe in one of Tim's weekly reports, it was about 25 deer that were They did get 25 so deer the first weekend. Yeah, we did not close the park on Thanksgiving weekend so that people could get out there and hike, but we have one more weekend this year, and we'll see how they do. Okay. And that's for this weekend. That is correct. Yeah, yeah the park will be closed from Friday at 11 p.m. until Monday at 5 a.m. The board approved the contract unanimously. The next Bloomington Board of Park Commissioners meeting will take place on December 12th. In today's feature report, WFHB environmental correspondent Zero Rose spoke with Neil Goswami of the Monroe County Environmental Commission about his background, which led him to join the Environmental Commission, the new generation of policymaking when it comes to tackling climate change, and the proposal to expand the Charles C. Deem Wilderness Area. Zero Rose has more. have with us today Neil Goswami of the Environmental Commission of Monroe County. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about your background and your, your schooling that has kind of led up to you applying and getting on the Environmental Commission? Yeah, Zero. So first, thank you for having me on and uh, thank you for the work that you do to try to care for um, those who are less fortunate than a lot of us in, in Bloomington and Monroe County. I think that's really important work and um, oftentimes it's it's overlooked and forgotten, and, and thank you for doing the work that you do. So, um, so I'm a I'm a product of Bloomington. Um, I grew up here, and I uh, went to university elementary school just over um, on the east side of town, and uh, went to Tri North Middle School and Bloomington North, and eventually uh, wound you know found my way at Indiana University, um, and uh, graduated, um, and uh, am now. Um, been doing a whole number of things. And we'll, that was uh, we'll talk uh, about. philosophy and political science, right? Yeah, it was uh, philosophy and political science. That's correct. Mm -hmm. And so has some of that kind of shaped your view on the importance of environmental matters and, uh, and I guess some of the social justice aspects of maybe some of your motivations for going toward the Environmental Commission? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So a lot of times... Um, you know, when you study philosophy, right, you, you have to think about all kinds of things, metaphysics, epistemology, ethics. Um, and when you're reading and writing and, and thinking, um, those questions and thoughts become really real. And you start to look at the world around you uh, through those kinds of lenses. Um, so, um, you know, one of the reasons, um, you know, I'd like that I wanted to join the Environmental Commission was that as a young person, I often think of the fact that I like to be around in 2080, uh, certainly 2050, and if I can eventually get there, maybe 2100. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, I, as a young person, that's what's on my mind a lot of times, right, is this um, vast expanse of future, what the future looks like, um, what does the now look like, right? What are the current trends that we see? What are the current trends on climate and the environment, politics? Um, 
And um, so those things that I studied and and, um, and that I found, you know, uh, the work that I do now, um, it has led me to uh, to join the Environmental Commission. And I don't imagine there's any problem with you accepting that humans are affecting climate change. That is absolutely something that we all should come to grasp and, and grapple with. Yes, it is. It is real. Um, that's what the data shows, like it or not. Um, that's how it is. And, you know, as a young person, I'm going to have to live with it. So, you know, I, I have conversations, I'll find myself in conversations with, uh, particularly sometimes with older folks where I get frustrated because in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm a young guy having to deal with the, the fact that these folks are voting in, in ways that, uh, don't view climate change as a real thing and they're not going to even be around. Right. But then what it comes down to though, where I found success with older people as well. What about, uh, you know, your grandson or granddaughter or niece or nephew or daughter. So that's where I found some success in that. Yeah. And I'm one of those, um, I'm 52 now and I got on the bandwagon in the late eighties and nineties. It was Carl Sagan who was testifying before Congress about, the fact that climate change was happening, that we're going to have to change course and everything. And then an environmental science course uh, popped up in my high school, the first, you know, first of it. And um, so I kind of learned some of it was cheesy John Denver videos, but then we like measured particulates on cheesecloth that we put on tailpipes. And my family didn't even have a car, so I had to find somebody's car to put this cheesecloth on. Then we looked at it under the microscope and go, there's the hydrocarbons and we're counting them per square, you know, and that's what we're all breathing. And that's part of the climate change thing. And so I was on board since then and have been someone who's nagged people about the need to change, change our ways, you know, personal and, you know, institutional, governmental, you know, a lot of what's gone on in the past 30 years is shifting it to personal responsibility and away from corporate and governance. And that's been a kind of a, a, a cop-out so that people can feel better, but also in a way disempowered and disengaged from affecting the systems that are really on the macro level having the maximum impact. You know, that's a great point. Um, a lot of we're having to, there's a lot of conversation about, you know, how can you reduce your car, how can you reduce your emissions, your carbon footprint? And those are all re really good things, right? Um, eating vegan, uh, using your, using your car less, switching to a different kind of car. Um, but at the end of the day, there's, um, you know, we need to change our, our habits of consumption as well. And, and, um, the, the world around us is constructed in a way, uh, that revolves around, commodity fetishism and, and consumption of things uh, for the sake of consumption of things. Um, and what it does is you lose that on a larger teleological vision of what humanity can be or look like. Um, and it leads to hedonism, right? It just leads to um, mindless, blind consumption for its own sake and to, to the detriment of our future. And being divorced from the consequences of those actions. Right. So, and, and as a young person, you know, my hope is, um, is, you know, well, first of all, I, I start with, you know, seeing that, right. Uh, seeing those realities. And, and my hope is that other young people, um, maybe those who listen to this or, um, maybe folks who know other young people, uh, can, can help join, um, you know, 
whether it's um, whether you want to start volunteering for a, a, a nonprofit or um, even just reading, opening a book and, and reading about um, even your, your local uh, hardwood forest, right? Um, there's a lot that we can all do to um, not only recognize that we have climate change and that we have these big problems environmentally and a dark future from that, but if we all just helped a little bit, then things could be a little better. So, And uh, I know you've worked with various organizations and in the interests of full disclosure, um, you have volunteered for some of our like heat relief efforts that we've done under Holistic Affordable Housing, under mm-hmm. my nonprofit, Blue Bee. But Neil is not a member of the organization, but he has um, uh, sort of advocated our model for a tiny home eco-village to the city council, or at least our initiatives to try to create some kind of a safe space for the unhoused community and everything. And uh, I know you've worked with Indiana Forest Alliance, and we've we've kind of covered them a lot, but uh, it's an ongoing thing with them burning and logging within the Lake Monroe watershed. I don't know if you wanted to mention anything about your uh, work with IFA. Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Zero. So, um, so I work at IFA, and uh, we're currently um, IFA was lucky to get a bill uh, introduced in the U.S. Senate, um, and that's Senate Bill 2990. And what that does is it does really two main things. It uh, doubles the size of the Dean Wilderness. So uh, for those who aren't familiar, um, the Dean Wilderness is just that um, that area um, south of Lake Monroe. And it is, a lot of you might be familiar with what locals call the fire tower or the Hickory Ridge fire tower. So that area is the Deem. And the Deem is, is Indiana's only wilderness. Um, and wilderness has a technical definition, right? When we say wilderness, we're not just saying, you know, this is some, you know, it's just wild, right? It has a, it, it's managed in a certain way that essentially you know, after the wilderness act, right. Um, that calls for, you know, it's minimal, uh, human, um, interaction with the, with the land. As possible, so um, so what this bill does is it expands the Dean Wilderness. It doubles the size of it, and it also establishes the Benjamin, the neighboring Benjamin Harrison National Recreation Area, and um, in that area, um, you know, one of the reasons why this is really good is because uh, all the watershed areas in 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 that uh, in the Hoosier National Forest that drain into Lake Monroe will be uh, will be protected into perpetuity by this bill. Um, and, and not only that, but it, it also sets up a federal advisory committee, uh, made up of folks like me and, and you zero and, and other folks from around here and other folks, um, in, in organizations to, to be a part of this advisory committee and, and determine how that national recreation area is, um, is managed. So avoiding things like overmanagement and, and, and burning and logging that are harmful to a lot of the, um, the species that live in there in that area, as well as potentially harmful to uh, to water quality. Yeah, and I was able to uh, get in on the public comment of, around the Houston South project, which I guess affords one uh, future public input on that. And that is the ongoing thing. This other uh, Dean Wilderness expansion is tentative, is a possibility. And uh, we had Stephen Stewart on of Indiana Forest Alliance. And he's advocated people, you know, contacting other senators, other representatives 
to, you know, get on, get in on support of that and co-sponsoring that to actually get it through. Yeah, the, the big thing for that right now is that we need um, support from Congresswoman Houchin to introduce in the House um, and support from Senator Young to, uh, to co-sponsor with uh, Senator Braun. So it's, it's a good piece of legislation, and, and we're, we're hoping that we can add to Indiana's only wilderness. It's really important. And, it's, it, and it, it plays into the bigger picture that we talked about, right, of, of climate change, too, right? Having, having those, that tree canopy there for uh, sequestering carbon is also important. It's, it's the lungs of, of, of the country, the lungs of the Midwest. So. Especially given all the forest fires that have occurred, uh, it would seem that we would need a bit of a climate preserve of one of the uh, last forests that haven't burned to the ground. Absolutely. And so uh, what were your ideas of how you could affect things with getting involved with the Environmental Commission uh, of Monroe County? Yeah. Um, so recently, um, the Environmental Commission hosted a uh, vulnerabilities workshop. The point of that was it followed the the climate trends. This this document that was um, written by um, one of the uh, and works with the McKinney um, Foundation, uh, one of the McKinney Climate Fellows, if my memory serves correctly. And and that climate trends primer, um, what it does is it basically contextualizes climate change within Monroe County and in Indiana, right? So things like, you know, how many days a year will it be above ninety five degrees Fahrenheit? in the year 2080, right? Or in the, in the summer, you know, could be a lot more days in 95 plus degree weather. You could have much less snow, right? So you'll have generally just more warmth, more heat. In that workshop, uh, stakeholders and, and constituents, and um, I was in that workshop and, and some other folks, we had a member of county council and uh, we had a couple members of, of, of the county council and a member of the uh, um, county commission, uh, uh, one of the commissioners was there and we all sat in a, in, in huddles, right. And we all worked on looking at specific issues. So some of those vulnerabilities, whether it be roads and bridges or, uh, energy access to food, um, storing information digitally was one that came up. And, uh, you know, there's an interesting book that I've been reading. I've been uh, working with a good friend of mine named David Keppel on, uh, starting, something called the 22nd Century Project that seeks to kind of take all these larger themes, right? Um, but also adding the, the lens of, of politics to it a little bit more. But as a part of that, um, Dave recommended me a, a book called uh, Nomad Century by Guy Vince. And she points out where, uh, you know, because of climate change, there's going to be a lot of people affected by this. Millions of people will be, uh, will likely be migrating, right? Due to you know, massive flooding or massive droughts. And and so, you know, another topic that came up in that vulnerabilities workshop, right? Well, what if mass migration eventually will be uh, something that is that we have to think about, right? All of this is basically what it is, is it's taking, you know, we're taking the, the facts that we have about climate change and we're saying, okay, look, here are a bunch of things that can be affected from that. And how do we deal with that? So, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really, I was really happy to, to partake in that first session. We had a lot of great conversations and, and next month, uh, we'll be doing the, um, st strategies workshop where we'll be, um, essentially talking about ways to come up with solutions. How do we come up with, uh, or strategize around, um, X, Y issue. Yeah. And, uh, some of what I think the 
commission has traditionally dealt with is things basically do with emergency preparedness, natural disasters, and we sort of have an ongoing rolling form of this now with with climate change. It's not so much thought of an occasional incident, but something continual to deal with, and this idea of resilience, um, you know, mitigation still a goal, but the fact that climate change is rolling on a lot to do with the inaction of government and corporate America, that the consequences are, are, are coming anyway. Well, great. Uh, thanks for being with us today, Neil. And, Thank you. Uh, I imagine we'll be uh, discussing things in the future and in depth as, as projects and uh, initiatives kind of come forth. Yeah. Thank you so much, Zero. That was WFHB correspondent Zero Rose speaking with Monroe County Environmental Commission member Neil Goswami about young people in the fight for climate change, his background in environmental advocacy, and the proposed expansion of the Charles C. Dean Wilderness Area. Up next, testing your credibility on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment hosted and produced by Richard Fish. We turn now to that segment on the WFHB Local News. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. Back in the 20th century, there was a competition for the title of Biggest Store in the World. Macy's in New York City claimed to be the largest single store since they occupied an entire city block. In Chicago, Sears took the position that their many stores all over the country, plus their huge mail-order catalog business, made them the world's largest store. In fact, when they started a radio station, that's why they chose the call letters WLS. Today, though, the title goes to Amazon, which is gigantic in cyberspace. And that's why it's such fertile ground for scammers and swindlers. Last time, we talked about how con artists pretend to be Amazon and tell you you've got to do something about your account there. Well, there's another Amazon scam that's hooked quite a few people, and it's another impersonation. How would you like to earn money by getting things for free? The idea is you choose things from Amazon, they send them to you for free, and you test them, try them out, and then write up a review for the website, and you even get paid for it. Sounds like a sweet deal, doesn't it? The thing is, it's real. Amazon has a program called Amazon Vine that does just that. But fraudsters are ripping people off by claiming to get you into that program or one like it, if you'll pay money and give them your personal info. You get an email, or maybe you see an ad on social media. They've popped up on Facebook and TikTok, for starters. The ad says, 
Former Amazon employee here. Not many people know this, but Amazon has a program you can apply for where you get $1,500 sent to your Amazon account every month so that you can test and review their products. And then it sends you to a website with a name like testproductsnow.com or testerlist.com. Don't fall for it. The real Amazon program, Amazon Vine, is found on the Amazon.com web domain. And there is no way you can sign up for it. And no way anyone else can get you into it. Amazon invites certain customers, people who write a lot of reviews and write well and write what Amazon calls insightful reviews are chosen by Amazon. The only way you can hope to get into the program is by using Amazon a lot, posting a review each time you do, and learning how to write a review that will be very helpful to other customers. Of course, that's a major reason why Amazon started the program in the first place. If you do get invited to become a Vine voice for Amazon, it will be a personal invitation from Amazon. Check to make certain it comes from them. And if you're not certain, beware. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at wfhb.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at wfhb.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Zero Rose. Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, this is your engineer and executive producer, Cade Young. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Cool Solutions, Climate Action, from the bottom up. Coming up next on WFHB Community Radio.
You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 